0: I'm going to assume that my, that my faith falters at times, and I am trusting you to let me borrow your faith in those moments. And then I'm going to assume there's going to be times when your faith falters, and I'm going to invite you already to go ahead and borrow my faith when that happens.
1: That was Wynn Collier, author of a brand new book called Love Big, Be Well. Letters to a Small Town Church. Uh, Win is a new friend, and he's also the pastor of All Souls Church in Charlottesville, Virginia. He's a writer, and uh, it, this conversation with him—you're gonna, you're gonna hear it. Um, it has a slow quality to it in a really beautiful way. Uh, talking to Win made my blood pressure go down, <laughs> um, and we talked a lot about the church and pastoring and about what it means to do that in a very human way uh, in a limited way in a way that's sacred and traditional and old and uh, i just found it to be so hopeful so um, i think you're gonna love this conversation and then you're also gonna love this book again it's called love big be well letters to a small town church by Wynne collier Uh, Get it on Amazon, get it on Twitter, all that great stuff. And before we head into the podcast here, just a reminder, uh, my book is out. It's called Whole, Restoring What's Broken in Me, You, and the Entire World. And that's available wherever it is that you want to buy books. So check that out too. Uh, So without any further ado, uh, get into this conversation with Win and I. Enjoy. Well, I am here with Wynn Collier. Hi, Wynne. So glad to have you on the show.
0: Thank you for inviting me. I've been looking forward
1: to it. Man, me too. Uh, Well, you're a pastor, as I said, at All Souls Charlottesville. And I got a hold of a book that you wrote. And I honestly can't remember who told me about it. I think it was probably Seth Haynes, who is sort of my book pimp. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I always trust him because he just has his hands on a lot, a lot of good books. And so... um, I got a hold of your book before it came out. And honestly, when I read it in about three hours, I mean, I I really couldn't put it down. So, Mm. uh, it is about this pastor named Jonas and a letter that he wrote to a search committee, uh, about a church that was sort of looking at him to be a pastor. And that's, that's how they start their relationship. So could you talk a little bit without giving away, you know, the whole book, obviously, but but talk a little bit about Jonas and 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 this beautiful book called Love Big, Be Well.
0: Sure. Well, Jonas is um, a pastor who uh, had been out of the ministry for a while. He would had a rough scenario at a church, and uh, he had ended up in a cubicle selling insurance over the telephone. And, beautiful. Uh, I'm sure loving it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and as a result of... Um, several years he found that this call in his life uh he couldn't shake it that there was something that he was to be giving to the world that he wasn't giving uh, at the time and so there was this church in Granby Virginia who began to look for a pastor and they were kind of in the same boat they'd lost their pastor and had been through the rounds of uh searching for a new pastor and that had been a Heart-wrenching and heartbreaking and uh, uh, infuriating experience for them. So they write a letter to uh, to Jonas, and Jonas writes a letter back, and they find their way to one another, and uh, a deep friendship and kinship begins. That uh, the book is my editor calls it an epistolary novel, which it it certainly technically is, but that feels a little too fancy. It's really. Uh, <laughs> it's really just, um, a pastor writing letters to his friends and, you know, we, we call that a congregation. And so there's a, it follows a seven year, uh, seven year span of their life together. And, um, I really, I really love the story that I wrote the majority of it two and a half years ago when I was on sabbatical that our church provided and I hadn't necessarily intended. I, I, I knew that I would write and I would plan to, but I, I, I made certain that I didn't put a deadline or something I had to finish or complete. That that felt very anti-sabbatical to me. Yeah. But uh, I, I wrote it in that summer, and there was a number of times where I would I would, I would find myself um, in the middle of one of these letters and I, I would have tears. And I, in those moments, I was like, you know, I think I'm onto something because it was, it was moving my heart and I wanted to be part of this friendship. And so that's, uh, that's kind of a, an overview of, of the book.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, so, um, in case listeners are just kind of catching up, it's a it really is an epistolary novel is what you call it, and that's really what it is. It's it's literally letters from Jonas to his congregation, just letter after letter after letter. And it's really a cool device uh, for talking about church, for talking about faith, for talking about struggle and the work that really goes on in a little community of faith. Um, so, I, it, and it makes me wonder when because you could you know you could have written a book about pastoring and had principles, but what are some of your core convictions about church and about pastoring?
0: Well, um, I think it's something that's always slow. Um, It may not be slow in the actual pace of our life or um, the way it feels like life is impeding on us, but it's always something that's necessarily inefficient and um, tedious and beautiful I, I, the word that has uh, come to mean a lot to me, and this definitely uh, made its way into the narrative and the story, is the word friendship. Hmm. I think that um, we talk about building community. I mean, the the word community has gotten so worn out. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, fifteen years ago, and and I just sort of beat that that word into the into the ground. <clears throat> and I still think it's a it's a good word, but like, like what, what we always do with language, we, we take something and then we just sort of <laughs> we uh, slaughter it. Yeah. Yeah. We send it through the shredder, you know, and we, you know, we come up with, um, all the ways to make this thing happen. And something about that feels really intrusive to me. Um, you know, I don't build a marriage. I don't build a relationship with my sons. I don't, um, I don't build a life. I live a life and I pursue goodness and I pursue the things that I long for. And I don't um, try to, to put it in a stranglehold and make it happen. And, and yet it seems like in the church, we feel all these pressures um, to make things happen. And, and so to me, a word that I just keep returning to is friendship, that I think at our best when we're talking about community, what we're really meaning is friendship And, um, so that's a a really important, um, word that I think just flavors everything else that, of how I think about church. But in all honesty, um, I mean, there definitely is a lot of me in in this story, but it's not me. I mean, it's a fictional character. And, uh, so in many ways I was discovering along with Jonas, (laughs) um, a lot of these things as, as it was happening. I like how you say that, um,
1: friendship. And I like how just even just maybe two inches underneath your words there are, is a sort of gentle questioning of some of the ways in which church ministry, at least from the pastoring perspective has become so, you know, um, so driven by metrics and building community, building mission that, um, you know, we end up losing friendship because we're just driving the ship the whole time. Um, Yeah. So, and slow, the word slow (laughs) is not, I mean, that's not what I learned in my early years of being a pastor.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, But, you know, it feels like at some point along the way, we do have to make a choice about, what it is that we really hope for. And if we uh, if we hope to get things done, if that's sort of the end result that that's uh, most important to us, then we will move in one direction. Um, but if what we most hope for is to, to be a kind of person and a kind of people together, then that'll send us in another direction. And that certainly doesn't mean that we won't see fruit and flourishing and heartache, all of these things happen, but it does mean that the way we go about it is radically different and we don't get to determine what the end, the the end result is. So I think there's sort of an openness and a curiosity about what's to come, about what God is crafting and making And the the same way it is true about my marriage. um, My two sons, you know, I I don't know what what their life's going to be 10 or 15 years from now. Um, But I, I want to be curious about that and walk with them along the way and, and see where it leads. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, um,
1: when I, another thing, after I read your book, I, I sort of said to myself, man, this guy has experienced some pain along the way to write a book of this, uh, depth. So what disappointments, maybe failures have, has led you to this place where you value these things?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, some people will sometimes ask me like, how did you arrive at at your the spirituality that you practice or how did you, um, become sort of who you are now? And, and that's always my answer. It's always a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, I, um, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I was always a, a pretty high achiever when I was young. I'm typical firstborn in that, in that way. And my wife reminds me whenever she wants to put me in my place, she reminds me that <laughs> our, our first year of marriage, I don't even know how this conversation happened. I mean, I just can't even put myself back in these shoes. But I, I was sitting there and uh, somehow we're talking about our future. And I made this comment. I said, I really believe if I wanted to be, I could be the next Billy Graham. <laughs> and, and, you <laughs> yes. know, I, I mean, why that would have even come to my mind, why you'd I'd want to be the next Billy. I mean, who knows all of this. But just the kind of arrogance there um but yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say multiple levels of pain. I mean, one was just uh, uh, a long, uh, desperate place where uh, my faith uh, began to, to fall apart. Yeah. And when you grew up the son of a pastor and, and you know, the church is everything you've ever known and God defines everything that you've ever thought about the world, and all of a sudden uh, you began to, to ask in the deepest places, whether or not you can hold on to that or whether or not it will hold on to you. It's a really frightening place. And, and it wasn't something that lasted a week. It wasn't something that lasted a year. It, it, it dogged me and sometimes still does. And, um, you know, I had to make a choice about how am I going to go through that? Am I going to, am I going to, um, take that, head on? Am I going to engage that? Uh, am I going to try to throw some cliches and just ignore it, which I wasn't able to do. So that was one level. Another level is just some failures. I, um, my first, uh, church ministry job that was after seminary, uh, uh, the pastor essentially after two years there told me I was, you know, worthless. And, wow. uh, I remember, being really being rocked because again I could be the next Billy Graham if I wanted to be right and um <laughs> so I, I it was really difficult the next place we went was to Denver and my wife moved there for my wife to go to grad school and I became a bivocational pastor of a small church and that church we ended up closing down that church so you know my resume is not exactly stellar um at this point and um, I always wanted to be a writer. It's been part of who I am since my earliest memories. And, uh, you know, decade of just failure, uh, absolutely, you know, putting something out there and it just falling flat. And um, and then just sort of coming, the older I get, coming aware of my own um, limitations and, and uh, re- just recognizing that, um I really need God and um, that left to myself I'm I'm a broken person and um, so I think all of those things have taken me actually deeper into humanity and my own humanity and have made me love um, love the humanness in myself and in other people and uh, so I, I think those things make their way into my writing. Oh, they
1: definitely do. Uh, what you just said reminds me of this Anthony DeMello quote that someone reminded me of this morning: uh, "Be grateful for your sins, for they are carriers of grace."
0: Mm. Yeah. You know,
1: and there's this sense of some of those, some of those disappointments, failures, even even mistakes, sins. Man, we we just I I I'll say I want to hide from them. I want to hide them. I want to be up and to the right. I want to succeed. And yet, um, those are the very places where, as you said, so well, we can meet God and we can be met by God and and experience something real, something, uh, that smells like mercy, you know? (laughs) Um, so thanks for that. Um, so who did you write this book for?
0: You know, it started for a particular person, uh, We have a dear friend, Miska and I do, who sent me a note asking, their church was searching for a pastor, and asked me, she was on the search committee, and asked me, you know, any advice? Like, what, what would, if you were in my shoes, what would you be looking for? And I just found myself thinking about that a lot, because I, I find oftentimes, I mean, I've been in those shoes, trying to figure out where you're supposed to be, and, I know lots of people who've been on the other side of that, searching for a pastor, and I just can find the whole thing, particularly in our day and time, immensely exhausting. Yeah. Um, there's so, so much pretense, posturing, um, trying to find this dynamic leader who's supposed to be the Messiah, or trying to present yourself as if you're the Messiah. Yeah. Um, and I just, I found myself responding to her and feeling a massive amount of compassion for the place her church was in, And then just feeling intense exhaustion. (laughs) And um, I remember my mind went back to a time when I was interviewing at a church. And I was – Misk and I had been married maybe three years. I was fairly young. Um, I was in a room full of very impressive people, lots of suits, lots of money. And I remember – really feeling like I was being drilled with all these intense questions and I felt this massive pressure to be the expert and it all felt like a lie to me because yeah. I knew I wasn't the expert <laughs> uh, even though I could spin a little thing here and there and I just I just all this came flooding back and so I found myself writing this story um a lot of times the way that I uh find my way into things, the way I began to comprehend things, the way I pray through things is often to, to write. And this one became a story. And then it just took off from there. Yeah. So it was to that particular person. And I actually love that, that it was, it was aimed at a friend. Yeah. Um, but then I think I just, I thought, you know, there's lots of uh, good hearted, but exhausted Christians out there. And, maybe some people who, uh, are, are good hearted and exhausted, but you know, maybe they're not in places of faith, but this story would, would be something that would, uh, they would find helpful or hopeful. Yeah.
1: Gosh. Uh, I was in this circle of pastors who were sort of recovering from disappointment and failure one time. And the person that was leading the the group said, uh, to us, this, this phrase that we all groaned and then we all like, but, uh, she said, you, you know, you most like people didn't hire you. They hired your false self. You know that, right? Right. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. And we presented our false self potentially. Um, so what rose up in me, as I was reading your book, love big, be well, uh, folks, you got to get this book. It's so good. Was the opposite, like, was the sense of I could breathe. I could, I could actually maybe be myself, or my flawed self. Um, and so, I, I think that does come through big
0: time in your book. Yeah, I feel like I felt that as I was writing it. I mean, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this feels, uh, feels true.
1: Yeah, it, it, like it creates space. It your book itself in a very good way, is slow. Like, I mean, that's the kind of sense that I got as I was reading. And I was actually reading it on a plane. And I I didn't, I really didn't plan to read much. Uh, I just said, well, you know, I'll get, you know, I'll start this book. And then it just like, I could not, I couldn't finish it because of this feeling of contentment, peace, uh, slowing down. So It was so good. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when this is kind of pastor-to-pastor question, but what is the work of a pastor?
0: The work of a pastor? Yeah. I think it's to join people in friendship and point to God. It's to stand in the middle of a community with the community to begin to learn together how to talk to God how to hear from God how to hope in God how to take our pain to God how to be healed by God how to stop pretending in front of God how to stop pretending in front of one another and I mean, this probably uh, sometimes it sounds to me when I when I when I find myself saying these things, like it feels like the most irrelevant. I mean, not the guys in any way irrelevant, but it just feels like it's so. Well, of course, that's the basics. Now move on. To what's a pastor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's a pastor really supposed to do? Yeah. Um. And I I re, I keep coming back. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just because. You know, my skill set is so limited, or whatever. But like it, it really is to be with the people and point to God. Um, I don't know what else it is really that being a pastor do- is, because I think of most everything else, and I think, well, you don't need to be a pastor to do that. I mean, probably a lot of other people better than a pastor can do that. Um, but to to open up. God's words and help us to hear them anew to remind us that God is with us and we're not alone to lead us in the Eucharist and remind us that God is always feeding us and to pour water over us and tell us the good news that this is God's love pouring over us. Um, I just, I think that's the work and I think that's why sometimes pastors are so weary is because I think in our bones, we know that that's our work and yeah. yet we're not sure that that's going to be enough. And I think we have to come to a place where it's just going to have to be enough. <sighs> oh,
1: wow. At this point, I kind of just want to cry a little bit <laughs> to be honest Um, because I don't know that I've heard anyone say it as succinctly as that before, sort of the reason why, um, it is so wearying, um, because the sacramental work, um, I heard someone say one time, um, God in a body is hard on a body, you know? Um, and I resonate with that. Um, wow. Thank you for that. Um, so a corollary question when, uh, what is the work of a congregation? Hmm.
0: This probably isn't good for podcast ratings that I'm just going to be repetitive, <laughs> but, um, I think it's to, to be friends with one another and to remind one another about God. Um, you know, that's that's why the creeds, I think, are so beautiful, is they're a way that we lift one another's faith up. That, you know, I remember um, Yaroslav Pelikan, hearing him say one time, um, you know, w- one of the, I think, most profound church historians of over the last 50 years, and him saying, you know, at... 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, I'm not being asked what is my individual isolated existential, uh, belief. Yeah. I'm being asked, will I with the church across time and history and geography and race and class? Uh, will I confess with the church? I believe. Hmm. And, um, I, I think it was uh, Kathleen Norris who said uh, – and I may I may be wrong, but I think it was Kathleen. She said, um, I may not believe, but I can at least believe in the liturgy. Wow. Because in the liturgy, uh, we're being drawn in into what, to me, is the deepest and truest sense of community, the community of the faithful. And it's actually a relief to me. I remember when I used to think these things were boring um, – you know, I grew up in a, uh, a a Baptist tradition that offered me so much good, but in this arena, there was a real resistance to to um, you know prayers that were written yeah. handed to you, et cetera, et cetera, and um, sort of the the shtick was that that was rote and meaningless and And immature even,
1: I mean, did you, did you get that sense? Like, like only immature people would need to have their prayers written out for them.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, call me immature then. I know, I know. know. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. No, right. I just say like, I, I, I confess that I am immature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I, I do, I, I need, sometimes my words just aren't enough. They don't, uh, they fail me. Um, I don't know how to pray and um i need sometimes i need someone else to pray and so i i tell people all the time i'm like you know i'm gonna assume that my that my faith falters at times and i am trusting you to let me borrow your faith in those moments and then i'm gonna assume there's gonna be times when your faith falters. And I'm going to invite you already to go ahead and borrow my faith when that happens. And so I think this is what the church does. We come, we, we submit ourselves to God. We kneel our body down. We put our hands outstretched and receive the Eucharist. Someone hands us a cup of wine. We put our hands out again and receive a blessing We turn to one another and we look into their eyes and we say, the peace of the living Jesus is with you. And when then we go out into the world, and I happen to think that that's uh, a powerful, potent mercy that will save the world. And uh, I think it's enough. Wow. Yeah. So good.
1: So, when i'm curious uh, you've been at all souls for 10 years you mentioned being on a sabbatical and doing some writing what are some ways that you practice uh self-care soul care so that you can do this wearying work
0: um on a weekly basis uh fridays is misc is my sabbath so every friday is I, thursday night rolls around and i'm so eager because Friday is a day of rest and that's, uh, we just have fun that day. We take naps, we watch movies, we take walks in the woods. Uh, we have a prayerful, loving posture. Mondays is, is often my creative day. So that's the day that I, I will do writing or um, different things that feed my soul. I mean, I, I, I write because it's, I must, yeah. um, yeah. it's, it's, um, uh, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. Um, it's just, it's where my heart and my mind goes. It's where clarity comes. It's where, um, sometimes a good kind of confusion also comes. And, um, but then I have a few very dear friends who, um, we just, stay in touch and we watch out for one another and um and I try to uh not just pastor but actually worship myself and and return to to the Eucharist in ways that heal my heart and soul and um I think I mean I do think sabbaticals are I mean I I would never ever ever uh encourage a pastor to go to a church that didn't have a sabbatical policy um, and I think you're setting yourself up for trouble yeah but I I think uh, that's certainly important all those pieces that's good and then I think I think having fun goofing off
1: so, I mean, here, here's something, honestly, I was just talking to my wife about, and I, I really kind of struggle with knowing what my fun thing is, you know, call it a hobby or whatever. Like, do you have yeah. something like that? Do you, do you fish? Do you, do you build stuff? I mean, what's your, what is that yeah. outlet for you if if you have one?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly reading. Um, yeah, I, I do, I run, uh, four or five times a week uh, about four miles a time uh, a day. And I think I would call that fun, but it, it really, I mean, my body, um, I just need to be in my body. Yeah. Um, I'm in my mind so much. I, and I don't enjoy, we are members at the YMCA. My sons love it. I don't really enjoy it because I, I don't like being inside. I like being outside. Yeah. Uh, so we have a nice path through the woods where I'm able to run. I really enjoy that. Honestly, um, college football. Yeah. Um, I played football in high school, and my sons and I are big Clemson fans, so we've had a couple of great years. Yeah. And um, I just I really enjoy that with my sons. We watch a lot of football on Saturdays every year for my youngest son's birthday. I take him to a Clemson game. Wow. Uh, we went to the last two national championship games, although the second one we weren't able to get tickets, so we literally walked around the stadium for about an hour and a half um, and then rushed back to the hotel to watch it on TV because we, <laughs> we couldn't get <laughs> tickets; It were so expensive. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that I would say that. And then I, I just I love, um, being with Miska. I mean, we just we enjoy each other. We enjoy talking. We enjoy, uh, you know, having TV shows that we'll binge watch or whatever. And yeah. And uh, so yeah, I I, w- I would like to be a carpenter or a photographer that's always been something I thought I would do. And I do love to hike. We love to do a lot of hiking. So
1: yeah, that's good. It's good. Uh, okay. Last question, if you're up for it, uh, what is making you hopeful right now in the world? I mean, the world, um, last time I checked, uh, is, is I just feel like we're in a very fearful, tough season right now. So, uh, what is making you hopeful?
0: Very little is making me hopeful on the real public scene. Yeah. Um. I think social media is a disaster right now.
1: Yeah. Um, Dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, it really is. I think our very worst is um is coming out, and I think it's it's actually you know we talk about being formed. I think social media is actually forming us. I don't think it's just something that we do. I think yeah. it's changing us. And I, am really, I'm really concerned about, uh, how, how we, uh, do that differently. But I mean, I think all over the place in individual relationships, I mean, I see people deeply loving their neighbor. I see people making lots of beauty in the world. We have a painter in our church who is just painting her heart out and it's, it's beautiful, and I I find a lot – once you remove yourself from sort of the noise, I find lots of people who are really awake and alive to love and are really uh, good people who are um, – Actively being present in their world. I mean like like you. I mean we've talked now for 30 40 minutes I've never talked with you before even though I've known who you were from a distance but it's just obvious to me that you're um, a good man who um, Has an artful soul and who's Trying to live and love well and this conversation gives me hope because I'm like mm. yeah, you know I mean I might like to think I'm alone like I'm a five on, uh, on the enneagram. On yeah, okay. Yeah, I was gonna ask that yeah, with a four-wing and so and I only know this honestly because my wife's like an Enneagram expert. She's a yeah. special director and just I uh, but um uh all that to say, you know, I can sometimes think, oh, I'm oh so different, I'm oh so alone, you know, that's a bunch of baloney. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm like there's lots of good people doing good work in this world and making making things beautiful and it, it just it just isn't what gets all the the noise, and um, so I, I say that's what's making me hopeful.
1: Oh man, that's good. Well, and thank you for um, reflecting back some of the same things I'm thinking about you after just getting to know you. Um, I would say the same things about you. So, um, and it, uh, Eugene Peterson endorsed your book. Uh, he said a tour de force, an angle of under uh, of understanding the life of both congregation and pastor. That exceeds anything I have ever read, and I, I I hear a lot of Eugene Peterson and you, you know, sort of the quote of uh, when you are a pastor, resist the center of activity, <laughs> right? Mm, yeah. um, and so, um, thank you for um, um, breathing breathing that good, sweet, calming um, air into some of my lungs here. And uh, so I don't even care if anyone else gets anything out of this conversation. (laughs) I loved it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure people will. So um, I'm an Enneagram three win. Mm -hmm. So that means, man, I'm really driven to uh, keep succeeding. And and when I'm at my worst, I put on a pretty big mask to make sure people don't really know who I am. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. oh, mama. Because my my wife is a (laughs) spiritual director as well. And so – which I think is a great gift, but also sometimes I hate it
0: because <laughs> <laughs> she can just see yeah. right through
1: me. Yeah. Uh, but um, so does your
0: wife also say to you, like, so uh, how's that working for you? Like, <laughs> yes, totally, totally. You
1: know, uh, <laughs> or I can just see her. Like, I'll say something, and I'll be kind of angsty, and 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 then I can see her take that pause. You know, where it's yeah. like, oh yeah, okay, I am, I am gonna try not to say uh, the thing that. Uh, for the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm going to try to join God and seeing how God sees Steve. And I'm going to hold that, hold that space. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I know what's happening though. It's like, no. And
0: inevitably, does your wife do this? I'll ask her, hey, do you think, you know, this or this? And every time she's like, well, both.
1: Yes, (laughs) No. It cannot
0: always be both.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, oh, man. Like, where do you feel that? Do you feel that in your gut? Do you feel it in your shoulders? Do you feel it in your head? Oh, I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) He's using my answer, you know. (laughs) Stop being so insightful and incisive. Um, That's great. All right, Wynn, well, uh, your book, Love Big, Be Well, Letters to a Small Town Church, is out. And y'all, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on Barnes & Noble, anywhere you like to buy books. Um, buy this book and um, just breathe a huge breath of fresh air. Uh, I think it's hopeful, and I think it's it's deep and transformative, and it's beautiful. I would even say whether or not you go to a church uh, are into the church? It really doesn't matter. It's it's this human book uh, about what it what it means to encounter humanity uh, in your own self, I think, and in other people as well. So, um, thanks, Win. I really appreciated your time.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Steve. I really uh, appreciate your generosity. Oh man, it's my pleasure. All right. Thanks
1: so much for listening. You can follow me on Facebook at Steve Ween's author. Twitter at Steve Weens and Instagram at Steve Weens, And you can find all my work, all my books, show notes, all kinds of other fun stuff on my website, steveweens.com. And please consider supporting me on Patreon. Lots of fun benefits for all levels of patrons. Check it out at patreon.com slash this good word. The truth was you knew you were losing that fight in your suburban